Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of, by the way, speaking of somebody fucked themselves a the horrible headline in the Edinburgh Evening News, court told women forced batteries up Preston Pan's man's backside. <laughs> Two women are to stand trial accused of assaulting a man by inserting batteries into his anus. I, I am struggling to see how that... Like, how... Like, I, I don't know how women could, could force batteries up my bum hole. Well, just they want... They'd just one would pull you down, the other one would, would stick stick them in. I mean, it's not difficult to imagine. No, but I think I could. F- I think I could fight off two women that wish to place energy devices up my bum. I don't know, man. They must be really angry. <laughs> Unless the two of them were like the same size as China. Imagine being so angry with someone you wanted to shove a battery up their arse. At what at what point had the relationship broken down to the extent that you wanted to to get your mate involved? <laughs> Is this the intro to the show? Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on today's show I am joined by the lower league heavyweights themselves. It's Mr Sean McGuigan. Hello. And Mr Craig G. Telfer. Hi there. Hi guys, how's it going? Fantastic. Well, I think it's it's quite odd that we're on... uh, This is the first podcast the three of us all have done in, I reckon, a year, more than a year. And it's a lower league special, and we're doing this on the back of the weekend when there was one, two matches, two (laughs) matches in the whole of the lower leagues we're on. One on Friday, one on Saturday. And and both were uh, nondescript. Oh, they were dreadful games. Oh, that Hearts game was a fucking... I turned it off before the end. Just had enough. No, you you, you shouldn't have done the last 15 minutes were excellent. Said this at hearts, hearts pound for pound are the worst side I've seen this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Worse than breaking. Aye, worse than breaking. At least breaking have got the excuse that they're they're all full of young boys. But Hearts, uh, given their, I say pound for pound, horrible to watch. Uh, yeah, it's, it's between Hearts and uh, Hearts, Aberdeen, and Celtic in terms of what what little they're getting in terms of value for money for how much they're paying for their squads. Hearts, Hearts, four hundred and fifty pound for a season ticket. I wasn't meaning that, I was meaning what they're paying the players. Oh, right, okay, well. I think Celtic fans are maybe more angry than Hearts fans. 
I suppose that at least you've got at least you, it's all a means to an end for you though, isn't it? Yeah, aye. That's that's kind of what makes it more boring. You can't even really get that. You can't even get your usual kind of football kind of anger about things. It's, it's more a kind of boredom and apathy because, well, I mean, we we draw with Queen of the South. It's a bit embarrassing. It's a bit frustrating. It's very frustrating. But at the same time, it's like what are we? Thirteen points clear or something. Well, just wait until Wraith Rovers catch you up. That'll be exciting. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you got close, just so, so something to, to get excited about. Well, that might happen. It won't. Right, let's uh, so <laughs> struggle to come up with uh, topics for today's show. So instead, we decided to dip into what was left of our mailbag questions for our Patreon series. Not even the good questions, the ones that are left over. <laughs> uh, no, no, to be fair, I had uh, left over a couple of these uh, hoping to get you and Sean to do one and then it just kept slipping my mind when you were free so I was getting you to talk about uh, movies instead um, so but we've got some now and we'll run through them uh, apologies to whoever sent in this first question because I've taken a screenshot and cut off your name uh, but it's, it's a decent one and it is who is the best part time player that's played in Scotland who's never played in the full who's never played full time can I go first with that one yes I think it's uh, for me Thomas O'Brien uh, uh, yeah I, 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 I went exactly the same uh, as, as far as I'm aware he's, I don't think he, he started off at Cowdenbeath he was a central midfielder at Cowdenbeath and graduated to a, a very uh, good defender at Forfar Athletic and has just got even better under Tick Campbell at Arbroath and I've seen a lot of comments when he plays that, that people are like oh I can't believe Tam O'Brien's never gone full time but from what I understand is he does okay outside of outside of football and I'm sure I've been told that it would take a, like, a ridiculous offer for him to even consider going full time. I think one of the, I was quoted about a thousand pounds a week is what he what it would take for him to to go full time. So unless he's getting that like a, a Dundee United or a, a Premiership team, he's probably not going to get that anywhere else in the the Championship. So I Tam, Tam O'Brien for me, great player. I, I, an obvious answer, but 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 the best answer. I I, I think he's one of the best. Centre halves in the in, in the championship, and he could probably do a, a a job for a half decent team in the in the Premiership as well. But aye, as 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 Telfer said, it, it, I think he has a decent job out with football. So uh, full time football's loss is Arbroath's gain and and Forfers and Cowan Beats. It's actually quite a tricky question to answer though, because I think there's there's a lot of good part time players who may have started out at, at full time sides. Yeah, uh, uh, like even as 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 teenagers before before going part time. So that's that's a very difficult question to answer. But I'm sure Tam O'Brien has been part time all his days. You could probably just discount guys who were at full time clubs and never played. Like guys who like the the like the, it seems like there's Ryan McCord. Yes, it seems like there's countless players who have like. Okay, well, then you're going to have to count uh, Tam O'Brien because he started off his youth career at Dunfermline. Ah, but he yeah. moved to Cowdenbeath in he moved to Cowdenbeath in two thousand and three, so he'd have been a, a, like in his early teens then. So I suppose that that doesn't count as much. Right? Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine as an answer. Any other guys you want to mention before we move on to the next question? No, because he was literally the first person I checked, and I had it in my head he may have been at a full time team, uh, and he hadn't. So I was like, "Well, that'll do for me, Thomas O'Brien." <laughs> Tell for were you the same? Yeah, I was I was the same as well. Yeah, there's I mean there's some great players playing part time football, but I think that they at least have a couple of games. Full time, I was thinking of Ricky Little there, but he started off his career at Partick Thistle, barely kicked a ball for them right enough. But he he was a full time player and has played full time football for them. But now it's, it's Tam O'Brien, smashing player. 
Right, uh, let's uh, move on to the next question who comes from Duncan Cameron uh, and it is one close to our hearts. Surely it's about time for a reboot of A Shot at Glory. You know, he's asking us to redo the casting for a, for a modern day version of it. So we need a, a few different guys here. Uh, we can... Do you want to play... Do you want to start with the Hollywood guys or do you want to go to the footballers? Well, I think the big question, who plays Jackie McQuillan? Yes, it needs to be... Aye, who, who's playing him? Um, so, yeah, you're thinking Ali McCoist. Somebody with very, a bit, very difficult. Yes, somebody with, somebody with good looks and charisma. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, it's Ali McCoist is... I think there was a, a video that was posted on Twitter of him sp- speaking at Davy Cooper's testimonial for Rangers. And it's like a best man speech. Ali McCoist is, is brilliant in it. He's just so handsome, so much charisma. And I just don't think there's anyone else playing in Scottish football that can possibly match that. I'm trying to think of, like, nation sweetheart players. I'm thinking of, like, Ryan Christie after that interview he gave when we beat Serbia. But he's... But that's... That was nice rather than that sort of cheeky chappy vibe. So it was only cheeky chappies like Jason Cummings. And even then he'd smash up your house and just like and, and laugh about it. <laughs> so I I went down a slightly different route. I thought to myself, right, there is a, there's a love scene in the film. And if you wanted to have a, a love scene in the remake, then you need somebody who is comfortable being naked in a room full of people. And so I thought James Forrest. <laughs> do we do, do we have to say allegedly here I, I, I don't know you, you no 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 right. it's, uh, no no we don't most definitely um, somebody else has become, been comfortable in a room full of people I'm trying to think love scenes uh, do we know any players like Paul Jewell I suppose but he's um, he's English so it doesn't doesn't necessarily count still one of my favourite tabloid stories of all time when they had the uh, when they when they had a, a, a kind of still from the from his porn film and the, the Derby County badge the Derby over his genitals. <laughs> Imagine being the chairman reading that. Your club badge, your pride and joy. <laughs> two pages, two pages of football and porn uh, play on words. It was incredible. One of the best tabloid stories I've ever read. Well, see, see if we, if we if we can't get anyone who's who's got the combination of charisma and looks. Who, if we could sp- like split their personalities, who whose looks would you want and whose personality would you want then? Uh, Stuart Armstrong, yes, and lovely hair. Would it just be something like Jason Cummins? I'm trying to think who else stands it in terms of like personality. Is there a more confident Scottish footballer than Jason Cummings? Probably not. Uh, I was actually thinking for an actor, uh, it, it would be a lot darker film. He'd be a very angry man, like an be- origin story, a be- Jackie McQuillan origin story. Beating up, beating up a lot of people. I was thinking Alan McGregor. Oh, aye, that, that's oh. too dark. That's too dark. Aye, this is supposed to be like the Scottish equivalent of the Mighty Ducks here. You know, <laughs> it's, it's light-hearted, light-hearted entertainment. Aye. I've turned it into you were like, never really here. I, I don't like to watch Alan McGregor telling people to fuck off. <laughs> I think I would go for in terms of the looks. You kind of, I, I, it's, a, it's an easy one, but Craig Barr, the Count B centre back, you know, sort of very handsome, very handsome, nice hair. Maybe Craig Watson at East Fife uh, again, oh, very the, handsome man, massive Tory. Aye, but well, you can still be a Tory and good looking. And uh, luckily for Craig Watson, he's uh, he's he's both of those things. Got lovely smoky eyes. 
We need uh, the other footballer we need as a Scottish player to take on Ian McCall's place as the Queen of the South I pumped your wife villain. Yeah, I I I wanted to go down the route of a bad egg in Scottish football and I I think Declan McManus is just it, it just has a the horrible ratty face. It it just looks like a bad egg. I can imagine him saying I've I've pumped your wife. Could you imagine if they were to see if we were to remake the descent and you wanted people to play those sort of like, <laughs> Underground creatures. The, infra, the infrared vision as it pans round the, the, the six or seven women that have, that have went into that cave. And it's just and a boy then, in a dumb top. And then Dermot Manis requiring no makeup whatsoever. <laughs> and and you would you would let out a, a, a high pitched squeal as the camera yes. pans round to him. He's a spitting image of that now, I think about. It's uh, Ali Love as well has got quite a, a, a woodland creature face, like a wee, uh, wee goblin or hobgoblin. What's the difference between a goblin and a hobgoblin? Uh, I, d- I don't know. I'll have to Google it. I think, uh, yeah, a, a sort of like a, sort of a bad egg, a, a, a Declan McMahon, somebody who just winds people up. Bobby Barr. Not bad shout. Right, we need some actors as well, some actual actors. So we need somebody to play right. Gordon McLeod, a ho- an aging Hollywood legend. Or uh, Brian Cox. Oh, that's a good shout, actually. Okay. He's, actually, he's actually speaking a Scottish accent as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there would be anyone else. We need somebody to play Michael Keaton. Or his part, is what I should say. Well, I, I see in terms of Michael Keaton, I thought somebody who has uh, experience as an actor and experience as a, a football club and is clean cut. So I thought Ryan Reynolds... Because he now has uh, experience with Wrexham. Too handsome. He doesn't have... See, Michael Keaton at least had that sort of demented... Uh, like that sort of that wild wild look about him. But I think Ryan could, uh, I don't know, like not comb his hair for a couple of days or something. Too <laughs> <laughs> has a demented look these days. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, what's his name as no, well? Too, Casey he's Affleck. too good for this. Too good for this. We need to we need to think we need to lower our sights. I think, think Ma- of who- Michael Keaton, though, quite a big star, though. To be fair, yes. I, I mean, is it, who was it? Peter Duval had, had won an Oscar. Is that right for The Godfather? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Robert Robert Duval, though, not Peter. Who's Peter Duval? Is he <laughs> He's a golfer. A golfer. I, 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 no idea. No idea. What is it? Peter Duval is uh, a a a. a um, Premier missed. He's a key people. I've no idea who he is. He's, uh, there's no Peter Duval. Premier missed. He's he's a CEO of Premier missed. That guy just is gone. I don't know. There's just no call for <laughs> John Duval. No, there's a oh, fuck's sake. This is this is great. No audience. wonder we never do podcasts. <laughs> I I you know who, I, who I'd like to see it. Uh, what was the guy that was in the Muppets who played Tex Richmond? I, I, I don't know. No idea. The golfer is David Duval. David Duval. Right. Double D. Chris Cooper. That's who I'd have played it. Chris Cooper was in the Muppets. He played Tex Richmond, the oil baron. Uh, that's who I would go for. Right. So how about the young goalkeeper, or young, sorry, a young uh, breakthrough actor to play US goalie Kelsey O'Brien? Tom Holland. Is that Spider Man? Yes. Yeah, Tom Holland. You know something? He's fresh faced. He seems like a good laugh, a nice person. He has been Spider-Man, so is probably used to like jumping about. So I, I think it'd be decent for a goalkeeper. One thing I would say, Sean, if you were to get me to describe what a goalkeeper looks like, it would probably be the opposite of Tom Holland. But remember, this is a, a down-on-its-luck village team and they can't afford the, 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 the best players. 
So a, a kind of spindly goalkeeper from the US might look like someone. As uh, what's the guy's name who played Kyle in the movie Road Trip? DJ Quails. I would have him as the goalkeeper. He must be. He must be in his forties now or something. You know. I, th- I think so. I mean, when was Road Trip made? Was it two thousand? Road Trip was made in the year two thousand. <laughs> he is now forty two. That- yes. Uh, is that, okay. the, wee, is that would, the wee skinny guy? Yes. Yes. He, uh, right. I mean, he was very, very spindly. Uh, I would cast DJ Qualls as the goalkeeper in this movie. He looks. He does because you're forty-two. I mean, you can. You look younger. You know, it's like Fowler. I don't know. You know how how John Burridge played until he was uh, in his forties. Yeah, that's fair. Fair he, enough. It's to play a young goalkeeper, but still. Uh, John Burridge looked like he was in his 40s, or so DJ Qualls, um, well, I don't know what he looks like recently. He looked very young in Road Trip anyway. He, he's my choice. <laughs> he looked very young 21 years ago. <laughs> when he was 21. He looked like a 21-year-old when he was 21. <laughs> he looked very young when he was young. <laughs> Are there any other, Sean, any other note or lower league jobbers to flesh out the Kilnocky squad? Well, it, it, it's interesting you should say that. So the original uh, shot of glory had Wraith Rovers fleshing out the, the team. But the thing is, Wraith Rovers now have two experiences of being involved in making films. They were involved about five or six years ago in making a zombie film, which turned out to be some kind of tax swindle. So it's never really seen the light of day. But the fact that Wraith Rovers now have two experiences of making films, I would still involve them. Good enough for me. Right, let's move on to the next question, which comes from Chris Rex. Now, this has already been answered on a, a Patreon by Joe and Craig, but since you guys are the two low league experts, we may as well get your opinion as well. Um, and he actually mentions you in the message. Sean and Telford particularly have spoken in the past about opening up the SPFL and making it easier for teams from the Highland and Lowland leagues to move into League Two. If you could design this mechanism for promotion and relegation, how do you think it should look? Telfer, you first. Okay, uh, the way I would do it, um, and I, I'm not 100% sure if this, is, if this is viable, but the way I would do it, it's not too dissimilar to the existing system. I think that the, the team who finishes in 10th place should be automatically relegated, and they will go into either the Highland League or Lowland League, and that will be uh, redefined... Um, based on their location. So, for instance, if uh, if Stenhouse Muir were relegated, they would go into the Lowland League. If it was Elgin, the Highland League, and so on. Uh, I, in fact, that's, actually, that's not actually changing much because at least one team's winning. It's still quite difficult to get out. Um, let's see. So... Sean, would you like to save him? Yes, please, Sean. I, I, because yeah, the, pro- yeah. the problem I'm having is, is just it's it's like I'm not really adding anything to, to, to changing it. We need to just, so it's easier for teams to go up. So maybe a promotion and relegation spot. Maybe you could expand the division, have the team that wins the Highland League and the team that win the Lowland League go up and then a playoff between the second best teams that, that go up, uh, between the two divisions to go up, but three teams are relegated from uh, League Two. Uh, <sighs> Maybe, I don't know. Just do it like the top flight and have a split? Maybe. I think... Uh, Sean? I, 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 there's a... <laughs> do, you, do you know something? There's, there's a few things... There's a few things I'm, I'm, I'm not overly keen on. So the, the fact that Brecon think that they will be utterly disadvantaged by going to the Highland League. So 
I don't know if the because I think the divide is the is, is the T or something. It might not be anymore. But I, I don't know if that should be hard and fast. So if Brecon think that they would be better off in the Lowland League, then maybe maybe it would be better if, if a team like that could go into the Lowland League rather than the Highland League and we don't have this kind of geographical divide. Because let's face it, Brecon aren't in the Highlands. So so I'm I'm kind of worried about that in terms of teams getting relegated. In terms of the in terms of the non-leagues, kind of feels like there's there's a massive backlog in the Lowland League. So you've got the Higher League, which is obviously local, and then you have the Lowland League, but then underneath that you have five divisions that feed into it. So you have, I think you have two East of Scotland Leagues, one South of Scotland League, and maybe two West of Scotland Leagues now that, that all feed into it. And I, I, I think you need to, I think you need to open up. I think you need to make it less fearful of teams getting relegated because at the moment you've, teams are terrified of getting relegated so you need to make it easier for them to come up so whether you make it automatic promotion and relegation two up two down I, 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 I don't know and I, I know I, I think the non-leagues make it difficult like obviously you had a situation where junior teams didn't really want to relinquish their, their junior status because of how many local derbies they had and because they didn't have uh, they didn't have travelling to go uh, or too much travelling to undertake. I, like one of my pals used to be involved with Thornton Hibs, and they weren't entirely comfortable with, with giving up their, their junior status because a lot of their players work long hours, and then to kind of give up the, the bulk of their Saturdays as well to to to, to kind of travel back and forth, that that was a big undertaking for them. Whether you can divide the non leagues to North, the Highland League. South, East, West, and and maybe have a playoff for the winners. I I I, I don't know, but you definitely need to you need to open it up so there isn't as much fear for for dropping out the dropping out the leagues. Uh, but I, there's a there, there's a bottleneck. There's a massive bottleneck with the with the non leagues and and how you open that up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, that's one of the issues. It's it's about fearful for teams dropping. Uh, fearful for teams dropping down, but also. You need to teams who have entered the pyramid need to have faith in it and need to see it in action. Otherwise, you think what's the point? The idea that a team like Pollock, for instance, could win the Premiership title—that's that's fundamentally what what it's all about. And, and they need to see that there is that the teams can move between the divisions. You don't. The bottleneck's not nice for anyone. I imagine. I mean, we can. I think it's, it, can, it can be quite funny to laugh at Kelty Hearts like chucking incredible sums of money a squad to beat a bunch of enthusiastic farmhands for the Vale of Leaving or whatever <laughs> but but that, that you know something that has to go somewhere so I do have a degree of sympathy if you're, if you're doing it in good faith that, that you can win promotion and that's that's right and that's the way it should be but not to spend tons of money it, like I think if you win a league it has to count for something you have to have something tangible at the end of the day and a trophy is one thing yes but the, the promotion the chance to move up that is very important I don't like that system that a team can win every game of their season come to a playoff match against a team from say like the Lowland League lose to them and they don't have anything to show for it that's that's a, that's a sticker for me Sean you mentioned like the possibility of not having like the kind of Highland Lowland divide but is that not kind of necessary once you get to a certain level in terms of you know the, the hours spent travelling for guys who maybe wouldn't even count as part time in terms of like getting paid, and also like the cost to clubs as well for you know travel expenses. I, I don't know if you necessarily need to have it at, at, at non league level, 
I, I, I think that, that I think we can improve the kind of bottleneck in the Lowland League. I, I know it's, I know it's only just started, but the fact that you have the west of Scotland, the the south of Scotland, the east of Scotland, that is all feeding in to, to the Lowland League, that that doesn't feel like a, a, a long term solution. Like, why do you have five divisions feeding into Lowland League, but just the Highland League just just sits there on its own? I know geographically the Highland League probably has to sit there. But there, there probably is something that we can do to, to allow clubs to, to kind of save money in, in, in terms of travelling. And if you if you wanted to still have that playoff system, which honestly, I think playoffs are the most exciting thing in, 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 in football. You, you could probably do something there to have north, south, east, west. I, I, I don't know, but I, I don't think five leagues feeding into the Lowland League is... Is sustainable long term because you'll have you'll have ambition ambitious teams at that level that that that, that probably can't do what they want to do. Okay, I think we've answered that long enough. Let's get on to the next question, which comes from Kevin Wilson in Telford. I think this one should interest you. With the rise in popularity of retro slash one off kits, e.g., UV times Palace. Yes, now we're talking. Oh. Is this something Scottish football should do more of? And what is your favourite retro kit? Could be any team. Well, let's let's first off the bat, Juventus are one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Palace would have no interest in collaborating with the likes of Partick Thistle, for instance. <laughs> I, I what, what I do like about that, we'll start by talking about that kit. That's that's one of my favourite football tops. I think it is an absolutely glorious piece of work. I think what might put people off by it is the slime green colour. It's got a luminous. The word Jeep is written in luminous green, and the 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 bands that go around the sleeves are bright green and uh, bright orange. But when you look past that and look at the, the 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 stripes themselves, the way they fade up into the sort of clouds, the way that they, they merge together at the the bottom, it's it's an absolutely fantastic kit and I think that it, it, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves actually that Palace Juventus kit but I absolutely adore it I think it's an interesting concept that, that the way that, that fashion and, and football is changing I think when you see now and this is particularly south of the border when you see a team like Manchester United or the Arsenal Football Club are launching their kit they do it. They tend to do it in two ways. They'll do it in the traditional way, where they'll get the players wearing it at the the stadium. We know with footballs under their feet, with with the scarfs on and so on. But they'll also do them like a their loungewear. Like I think that's you're seeing that changing the way that that football kits are marketed. And I think we are a little bit behind that in in Scotland. Although going by the the number of people in, in Glasgow, you see cutting around wearing like a. Celtic or Rangers casual wear I, I, I might be wrong in, in, in that regard I think that um, like Stonewaller magazine for instance that's something that, that they've, they've done quite well they did that with Air United and their kit launch that was marketed more as well, leisure wear and, and sort of moved away from the traditional way that a, that a football kit would be branded and I think that was reasonably successful it certainly stood out just because there isn't really anything like that in this country and I think I think for for bigger clubs certainly it's the way to go. I think for for smaller supporters, smaller supported teams like my own team, Stenhouse View, the traditional way is still when you see your favourite player wearing the kit. That's still a, a big selling point. But I think that there is for bigger clubs room to be a bit more creative with the way they're marketed. If I answered the question, or was I just talking shite there? Uh, it's just if you think, I mean, not necessarily Palace, but I wonder if there's any sort of kind of other kind of fashion uh, brands could collaborate with uh, Scottish teams <laughs> if possible. 
Uh, well, I could give you so you could do joke answers. Or I could give you like like serious answers. Uh, which would you prefer? Okay, why don't we go for a serious one? What about like Comme des Garcons, the, the the Japanese fashion brand? Their logo is a heart with wee eyes on it, and that seems perfectly teed up to, of course, collaborate with Hibernian FC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, no. Of course, collaborate with collaborate with Hearts, for instance. You could have the the heart, the Comme de Garcon logo, uh, with the sort of like heart of Midlothian written. That perfectly lends itself well to um, to a collaboration. Um, I'm trying to think of other brands. Um, you could do like, for instance, I think the closest we've seen to uh, that sort of Palace uh, Adidas. Uh, brand that, that Juventus went for was a couple of years ago I'm thinking it must have been when Paul Payton was playing for them because I remember him modelling the kit remember Partick Thistle had that it was like a, almost a, a pink and grey camouflage kit and it was hideous yes no I really liked it I really liked it I thought it was nice well everybody's different it's certainly a certainly a memorable one strip should be traditional I think that that's t- tradition's a, a good thing to have in, in football and I think that home strips should pay tribute to tradition where the, whereas the away strip though you think you can be really uh, creative with, with your away strip it shouldn't just be like the alternative colours you should be able to go for something a bit wacky or something a little bit out there and if Comme des Garçons to go back to that they were to collaborate with Heart of Middle it would be a, a pretty cool kit What about retro kits? Uh, any ones that any of you guys have got your eyes on? I've been kind of getting into the whole kind of getting football kits during lockdown. It's a it's a weird phenomenon that I, I can't even quite explain myself. But I, I had two, I think, at the start of lockdown. Three, if you include that street soccer kit that we were gifted on on a view on a view for the terrace, and I think now I have eleven. Why? I don't know. <laughs> like, when I buy clothes, when I buy clothes, is everything that I purchase is with the TV show in mind. So there's some things that I, I want to get. For instance, to go back to Palace, you're doing a collaboration with Stella Artois. That's coming out tomorrow. I quite fancy getting some of the stuff, but it's too wild Please to do. wear on the TV Please show. Please do. So I, I, I can't get it. So that everything's with that in mind. So why buy and spend a lot of money? Because you've been updating us with your purchases. Why spend a lot of money on stuff that the, that you can't, uh, that you can only, you're very limited to what you can do with? I don't know, it's just probably because I'm stuck in the house all the time but I quite, I don't know, I've got, I quite like wearing a football top in the house. It seems so, like... So do I, so, so do I. I like wearing a football top in the house. What I am amazed at is retro football tops going at like well over 100 quid on, on eBay. I, I, I don't really understand that. Well, the one, I, the one I would want and I would have to, I'd have to get a pretty big bet up before I'd ever spend this because it is 100 pounds. But it's the Sheffield Wednesday kit from 1992-93. Oh, is that, who's, the, who, who's the sponsor? I think there might have not even been a sponsor that year. Um, oh. And yeah, it's kind David of like... David Hurst. Aye, David Hurst. Major David Hurst vibes. Kind of thinner, slightly thinner stripes as well. It's very nice. That are a kind of... That are a kind of retro Sampdoria one. For, Sampdoria for the 90s as well. But again, they're about 100 quid. So it's is a hundred quid. Do you think is that is that? Would you say that's too much money to spend on an item of clothing? Yeah, I don't really spend that much typically unless it's something really kind of fancy or like a suit or shoes. I spend a lot on shoes because I get a lot of pairs of cods. Um, but uh, yeah, typically the only other kind of item of clothing I'll ever spend like fifty pounds on is usually like a pair of jeans. So even with the football tops, I think the most the most expensive one was I bought was the Sampdoria one that was sixty. 
but it's really nice and uh, I just wanted to start doing it up and like I say I wasn't wanting to shell out over 100 quid for a retro one uh, but the rest of the ones I've bought are mainly just about kind of 20 to 30 pound fucking it's hell it's funny because you the... and I are on different waves you and I are on different <laughs> the... waves my boy see in terms of uh, Scottish retro strips Dundee as much as it, it pains me to say Dundee have about three retro strips that I love so kind of from about 1991 and maybe 1996 they had, I'm sure they had maybe two or three Sampdoria uh, vibe strips that are just, they really are fantastic. They do, albeit the, the dark blue, but with the kind of, the, the, the white and the red band in the middle, and maybe a black one. And, and some of them and they're, they're fantastic I'm glad that you said 91 and 96 and not another year ended in 6 otherwise you were getting fucked right off this podcast why Why would that have been an issue that I'm missing I'm not you're not you're not oh I thought you were doing that intentionally there when you were trying to go to it 85, 86 no no I, I think they, they did have a, a nice strip then as well but it wasn't Sam esque uh, Telford, do you have any favourites before we move on to the next question? Yes, I do. There's, there's, there's a couple, I think. I, I I've really, got loads I really like <laughs> We'll give Telford a shot first, then we'll go back to you, Sean. Uh, quite right, quite right. Uh, Scotland's Italia kit from uh, Scotland's Italia 90 kit, I think that's glorious. I just think that the shade of blue, the cut, the collar. Collars is something you don't see a lot in, in football anymore. It's more it's more uh, round necks or, or whatever. You don't tend to see buttons on shirts. I imagine they're more expensive to manufacture. But that Scotland Italia 90 kit is wonderful. And Dunfermline released it, a, a, I think it was a, a year or two ago. It was a kit uh, sponsored by Landmark. It was like white with sort of thin black stripes yeah. down it. Yep. Uh, just a yep. really, really, really nice piece of kit, uh, and it just worked so well with the like the Dunfermline badge that that inverted triangle, uh, that sort of the colourful little um, castle building on the on the front of it. I thought mm-hmm. that was that yeah. was really really nice. Um, yeah. So, Sean, what were the others you had in mind? Uh, I there was a, a Dumbarton strip from the seventies, which was uh, white. With a kind of gold and and black uh, stripe that runs al- along the middle, but they had it was made by Umbro, so they had the, the the kind of Umbro badge that run right down the strip, and I am a I am a sucker for a strip that has a one stripe that runs down one side of of the strip. If that makes sense, so Aberdeen in the seventies had a had a strip that was red, obviously a kind of wide collar, and then one kind of white band but I think it was made up of maybe several pinstripes which just run down uh, one side of, of the strip which is which is fantastic and the, the only other one I wanted to mention was when I first started going to see Wraith Rovers and we were in the bottom tier we, we played the Albion Rovers and they had a obviously a bright yellow strip with a red collar and no uh, sponsor and a red band that run right along the middle and as a as a youngster, it was eye-catching, and at, at that point, they were probably like my favourite other team just because of their strip. It was, uh, it was, it was a beautiful, a beautiful strip from the, the kind of late eighties, I would say. Do you remember there was two boys with Albion Rover strips in an episode of Skins? I don't. No, no, there were. It was the character Sid. Focus on a different character every week. The boy said his father's played by Peter Capaldi and he was being bullied by his brother who brought his sons round and they both had Albion Rovers tops on. 
I popped. I'll say that. I popped. Just one one before we move on, Fowler. I actually think that the best kit we've seen in Scotland over the past few years was the Foundation of Hearts kit from 1415. I thought that was an absolutely stunning oh, kit. Good. Just like the, the Adidas just made the three strikes were brilliant the collar the cut of it no sponsor the old fashioned badge just absolutely perfect yeah that was I good don't I, I don't know why it's about no sponsors that just make strips so much better I'd like I yeah. like, so, so I think Airdrie for example Airdrie have a, a a classic design that kind of white and the red V but the fact they have a sponsor somehow ruins it every season I, I, I don't know how because they have such a great design but no sponsors make a kit. Yeah, definitely. Right, uh, let's let's move on uh, to our final question, uh, which comes from Ross Quinn, uh, and he says, "Pick a player from your rivals that you think would strengthen your team, and then pick a player from your team that would strengthen your rival." I'll go first on this one. I think that uh, a player from Hibs that would strengthen Hearts. I mean, you could pick most of them. Uh, they'd end up being shite. Uh, because any good player that signs for Hearts uh, ends up being rubbish anyway. So, but assuming they don't immediately turn to, to Guff, I'm going to go with Jackson Irvin. I think Hearts could could use could really use somebody from the the midfield. Andy Irvin's probably Hearts' best centre midfielder this season, but he's a kind of he's a stationary kind of number six who sprays the ball around. I think Hearts need somebody a bit more up and down, but also has the the relevant quality and. Irvin would definitely come into that. He'd be a massive, massive upgrade on Andy Halliday, put it that way. And the player for Hearts would strengthen him. It's kind of hard to say at the moment, the Hearts being so kind of shite since the, the Scottish Cup final. Uh, but I would say that Stephen Kingsley, because Hibbs probably at the weakest in their squad is on the left-hand side of their defence, and Stevenson's still doing a job, but obviously he's not at his best. Doig's a decent defender, a, a very good prospect, but he's... Not quite there yet. I think Kingsley would would be an upgrade over either of them. So, Sean, what do you reckon? I uh, so, so I have a good answer here in terms of improving Dunfermline, but not weakening Wraith Rovers. So far and away, Dunfermline's weak link is their goalkeeper. Owen Fawn Williams is uh, just just a bad bad goalkeeper, and they will never get promoted with him. So. Wraith have two keepers in terms of Jamie McDonald and Robbie Thompson who are better than him. I, I really like Robbie Thompson. He seems like a good egg. He uh, he has a nice dog that he likes to put pictures up of on, on Instagram. He just seems like a nice person and I, I kind of feel sorry that he doesn't get a lot, a lot of games for Wraith Rose. But you know something? Being a good egg uh, doesn't make you better than Jamie McDonald and he is a very good goalkeeper. So let's give Robbie Thompson to Dunfermline, which improves them but doesn't weaken Wraith Rovers because we have Jamie McDonald. Uh, and in terms of who we could take from Dunfermline to improve Wraith Rovers, we, I think, desperately need a centre-half. And as much as there was a big hoo-ha and fanfare made of Ewan Murray at the start of the season because he scored, I don't know, f- four goals in, in five games or something, I said Paul Watson is actually a, a, a better defender. I, I quite liked him at Starts Park. He was probably Dungeon United's best centre-half last season and he would very much improve Wraith Rovers. So that would be my that would be my choice. And Telfer? I look at the Shire squad. I wanted to be a bit different. I look at the Shire squad, but no, nah, I didn't fancy anyone from there. So I'll take a look at Falkirk. And uh, Stennis Muir this season have really struggled in wide areas. There isn't a lot of natural width there, particularly with Dave Irons wanting to play a 4-3-3 formation. He's, he's playing guys like Greg Spence, who's a penalty box striker. He's playing him as a winger. So Callum Morrison would be the obvious one from Falkirk. I think his form 
dipped just before the, the shutdown. But prior to that, he'd been excellent and, and by far and away Falkirk's most exciting player. I think it was actually getting to the stage where it was just a case of give the ball to Morrison and, and something will happen off, off the back of that. So he's exciting, he can take people on, he's bold, he can whip in great crosses, which Mark McGuigan would no doubt gobble up. So yeah, Callum Morrison would be the person coming in. And the player that I think could improve Falkirk, I think it perhaps it's centre-back where uh, Falkirk are, are, are struggling. I think you can't really put your faith in Mark Dernan or, or Ben Hall. I think they're okay-ish. I'd send them big Craig Little. Craig Little is as meat and potatoes as you can get in the lower leagues. He is just a stopper first and a stopper last. And he is only content when that ball is as far away from our goal as possible. Uh, so I think he'd go in there if he's got someone who's a bit more nimble beside him that can run, maybe talk him through games. Uh, perfect. But he is uh, very much a stopper. You need a stopper. There's nothing wrong with that. I've said that a, a, a number of times about Craig Little. Nothing fancy about him, but don't necessarily need to be. Good answer, good answer. Right, uh, before we finish up this podcast, let's just get a couple of predictions from you guys. The lower leagues, uh, League 1 and League 2, are, are not back yet. They might, we don't know, frankly, when they will be coming back, but let's say that they do come back in March time and they're able to complete the season. Give me some predictions as to what you think might happen. Sean, you can go first. Uh, I think Dumbarton and Forfar will get relegated from League 1. And I think Queen's Park will go unbeaten and they will get promoted with Strunwar. Ooh, a couple of interesting ch- shouts there. Uh, Forfort to get relegated in Queen's Park to win a league and stay undefeated to kind of speak for themselves. What's, what, what makes you so down on Dumbarton? Uh, because one of their better players, if not the best player they had this season, was Kevin Dabrowski, their goalkeeper. And see, see that's one of the problems that, that the kind of part-time teams have is that they are, their loan players have all been recalled. Because of the shutdown, uh, and I, I think that'll affect as much as Falkirk were struggling before the lockdown. And I think they'll probably come out of this looking okay because there's so many part-time teams have had those lone players uh, uh, recalled, and and Dumbarton possibly more than anybody else will will struggle after this. Okay, and uh, what do you like about Stranraer to pick them as uh, the the best team to come out of League Two other than Queens Park? So Elgin generally make a pig's ear of it. So, so they've still... T- they're second at the moment, but they will make a pig's ear of it. I'm not sure about Stirling Albion and Edinburgh City. I mean, the fact that Edinburgh City are, are sitting fifth, you'd have to say that James McDonough's jacket might be on a, a, a kind of shaky peg. But Stranraer had a, a terrible start to the season, uh, but they, they've recovered and probably look the, the best of the rest out, out with Queen's Park. And Telfer, what's your prediction? Yeah, I'll just back up Sean there. What he's saying, I, I really like Sonora. I think that, that Stevie Farrell, they did well to stick with him. I don't think there was ever any, there might have been a bit of doubt, but there was never any real danger of him getting punted and he's got them playing some right good football at times. They, they went about 12 months without a win. I mean, there yeah. must have been some doubt about, about, about him, but, but fair play, uh, they, they, look, they look the better for sticking well. Yeah, definitely. And they've signed well from the Lowland League. I think guys like uh, Rudy Payton and, and Tam Orr, who came in from BSE Glasgow and East Kilbride, irrespectively. So I got that the wrong way around, so that's why I said irrespective. They are good. Peyton is the most exciting winger I've seen in the division uh, next to Jai Katongo. Uh, he's more of a, a, a fullback. No, he's not. He's a winger. Talking shite. Anyway, um, what I think's what I think's going to happen, I think that I don't think we'll see the leagues play again this season. I've, I've kind of come not, to not terms. Not 
no doubt. Come, come to terms with that. But I think that'll be the the driving force for reconstruction. And I I think the Colt teams will rear their head again. However, I think that. <laughs> It gives me no pleasure in saying this, but I think that the clamour to get the Colt teams in there might be a little bit louder. I think the clubs beneath them, I'm not sure how much influence the likes of Kelty Hearts and East Kilbride, etc. have, but if it's a case of allow it getting into the SPFL with Colt teams, they'll they'll take that. But I, I want to, on record, I've said it numerous times before, I think Colt teams are worse than... Hitler, teams. Ricketts. Yeah, Ricketts, Polio and Hitler. Agreed. Not for me, Clive. Right, I think that'll do us. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, I'm going to pick one of these unlucky guys to act as host while I give my thoughts on on two of last night's games in the Scottish Premiership. So if you'd like to listen to that, uh, the address is patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. That'll be on the £2 a month tier. Guys, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. And I'm Craig Felsen. Goodbye. And if your game's lucky enough to go ahead this weekend, I hope you enjoy your football. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.